Amen. You guys, I tell you, I know some are just starting up, but I, I want to give a quick little push for something. If, you, if you're a man in here and you've never been through every man a warrior, you are missing something. You are missing something. My group is, is, is getting close to finishing up, and some uh, already have. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it, I have grown so much spiritually through this thing. And uh, it, it is really good, really good. Next time we have it, you guys need to get, get signed up for it, please. It'll help your wives, make your husband sign up for it. Ladies, make your boyfriend sign up for it. Your fiance sign up for it. Everything. We're, I think we're in part seven about a purpose-driven church, how worship, uh, worshiping with others changes you. Is what we've been talking about this week and last week. Uh, we defined worship. We said, what is, uh, what is worship? We said expressing our love and, and gratitude to God. And uh, we looked at why we expressed our love to God and what kind of worship does God love? Does anybody remember that? Wholehearted. Wholehearted. Not half-hearted uh, worship. So this week we're going to look at a, a, a few things. i got seven tips I'm going to share with you about how to tell God that you love him. I'm talking about ways that we, that we worship him. And, uh, but let me just give you a little note here if you want to fill this in. I want you to fill these in. Right, right there where it says note, watching worship is not worship. Watching worship is not worship. Watching worship is not worship. God wants you to come to the house of worship. God wants you and me to gather together. You know, watching worship from, from TV, the iPhone, the, the iPad, you know, whatever, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, but it's not worship. It's just not worship. You know, you're, you're not socializing. You're not in with people. You're not touching people. You're not uh, sitting next to them. And, and, and another reason it's not worship is it's probably, if you're listening to a service on podcasts, I mean, I, I like to listen to podcasts. I like to listen to them, and I learn a lot from them. But if you're listening to one instead of going to worship, while you're listening to one, you're probably multitasking. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Washing dishes, folding clothes. Those are some of the things that I do while I'm listening to a podcast uh, you know you may be driving or something like that but you're probably multitasking but and worship worship remember the word wholehearted worship demands our total focus and when you're just listening to a worship service you're not singing you're not giving you're not smiling you you're not touching you know, you're just not doing it, but if you're on the road, I understand you got to listen to it some, but you need a regular place of worship. And you may be at a place, you know, where there is no, no church, at a part of the world, 
where there, there is no church or, or part of the country, you know what you should do? Just start a group. Just start a group. Meet, you, you know, meet in your home. God promises where two or three or more gather. He said, I'll show up. So just gather two or three at your house. But go to the house of the Lord. It makes God glad when we gather together. It makes him glad. But gather together and, and, and worship. So how do I worship? Like I said, I'm going to give you some tips right here. And, and, uh, and, and how to tell God you love him. I believe there's more, but I'm going to give you seven practical acts of worship. Write these down. It's important. Write these down. Number one, by listening and responding to God's word. By listening and responding to God's word. You know, that's what we're doing right now. We're listening and, and responding to God's word. I'm teaching you from God's word. Guess what they're doing back in children's church right now? They're teaching your children God's word. Deuteronomy 31, 12 says, Gather all the people together, men, women, children, and immigrants living in your towns, so that everyone can listen and learn to respect the Lord and carefully obey everything in his word. It says, Gather together. So my question is, are you doing that every week? Are you gathering together every week? Guys, according to his word, it's what God wants us to do. And the Bible tells us to listen carefully. One of the ways to do it, how do you listen carefully? I think you're going to see why we do some things we do here at North Point. What does it mean to listen carefully? One of the ways to do this is to take notes. Do you know that's why I give you it's not because I'm OCD. It's not because I'm organized. When you're, you don't even have to be close to me to know that I'm not organized. But I do know this. When you take notes, you're engaged. So that's why the, the blanks are there. That's why we give you pens. That's why we're very intentional about that. We want you to be engaged. So we want you to take notes. Because statistics show that if you come and you listen to what someone teaches without taking notes, you forget 95% of it in 72 hours. That's three days. You know how frustrating that is for me to work on this all week and approach you three days later and you don't know? But if you take notes, at least you got the highlights. You can take them out every once in a while if you, you need to look at them. As well. And it may help you during the week to go back and review. And, and I'm going to tell you what else we, we use the message notes for. So that when me and you interact on, on Sunday mornings, we use the same translation. I don't know about, about y'all, but a lot of times when I go to different gatherings and I got a translation, and the speaker's got a translation. Sometimes I get blah, blah, blah. But at least you can look here, and, and we can all be in one. Amen? There's some methods to what we're doing here. And, and so that's why we use these message notes. 
And, and so, so, so writing it down, I'm just saying, writing it down increases your memory. Amen? Paul, write down the date that you, that you proposed to Morgan. It'll increase your memory. Amen? It's not enough to take notes, though. If you're really, really going to worship, you got to do what it says in the Bible. Doers of the Word. Doers of the Word, not just here. John 13, 17, Jesus said this, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. we got to do them. Taking notes is part of worship. But it helps me, especially when I take my notes, to have a to-do list. Don't everybody love a to-do list? Yeah, you love a to-do list. No, I hate a to-do list. But I'm talking about a to-do list to improve me spiritually, I don't mind. But, but, but once the worship service is over, you need something that you can go back to, to, to review. And so my question here is, if I had a question for you, do you care enough to write it down? Do you care enough to write it down? Here's the second way that we worship him. Number two, by singing to him with our whole heart. By singing to him with our whole heart, not half-hearted singing. Psalm 32, 11 says, celebrate God. Sing together, everyone, all of you with honest hearts. Raise the roof. I love that they put, raise the roof. And he do like this. When I read that, I just wanted to go like this. <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> Aaron, you laughing, but you know I'm with it. Raise the roof. I like that. Worship is meant to be a celebration. Amen? It means that it, it ought to be a, a, a festival of joy, not, not this display of sadness. Where we sing together, celebrate. And do it with me. Raise the roof. We're to raise the roof. Psalm tells us that. We're to raise the roof. Because that's why we put words on the screen. Did y'all know that? So you got your hands free to raise the roof. <laughs> Amen? There's a method to our madness. <laughs> We're the whole choir. I've been asked before, this might never be. Y'all got a choir? Sure do. They just sit in a different spot. <laughs> Amen? You're the choir. That's right. We're the, you're the choir. I'm the choir. We just sit in a different spot. It ain't just a few people up front. We sing together. I'm telling you guys, music and love go together. They just go together. And, 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 and I know some of you guys come in late. Y'all skip the music. I don't know how y'all are. Some of you guys sit out there so you don't have to put up the music. You come in about the time the preaching starts or the fellowship starts. You're missing out. I'm just telling you, you, you you're missing out. You're making a big mistake. Big mistake. It's detrimental to your spiritual health, your soul, your spirit, your, your emotions, and healing as well. Sing together. We need to sing together. 
Amen. You know, I'm telling you, it's, it's singing together, it's, 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 it's praising him, and that's the antidote to depression. So what are we going to do? <laughs> Number three, by talking to God together in prayer. Talking to God together in prayer. And I know that you can pray on your own anytime. But there's added power when we pray together. Acts 1.14 says, they join together constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. Romans 1.12 says, we must help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. I'm going to tell you, I'm praying against this mean person to get out of this person's life. And if not get out, I'm praying for them to be made nice. However God wants to do it, it's going to happen. Because not only am I praying, you're praying. Now there's added power to this person's prayer. Amen? I'm telling you, it'll work. When we pray with each other, we help each other. We help our faith grow and, and, and to build. And you don't get that when you pray on your own. You really, you really don't. Additional power comes when you pray with other people. Praying together is an act of worship. And as we're sitting here, I want you to do something during the time today. Pray for the person in front of you. Pray for the person behind you. Pray for the person sitting on, on, on each side of you. I know you may not know them. And you may not know what you're going through. But I'm telling you, they're going through something. They're going through something. And if you don't feel like praying for them, pray for me. I need all I can get. And you need all the practice. <laughs> and and when, when we pray to God, we just get to build on that relationship. We're building on that one. And, 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 and somebody, said, somebody told me, I don't really know what to talk to him about. Talk to God about whatever interests you. You know, just whatever interests you. Because I don't believe that there's nothing off limits with God. Whatever is bothering you, talk to Him about it. Because prayer is not, not a duty, it's a privilege. It's, it's a privilege. You know, when you do it, you're going to feel close to Him, and, and, and you're going to talk to Him more. Prayer is an act of worship. And there's prayer, power in group prayer. Amen? Too many Ps. Number four, we worship by sharing the Lord's Supper together. We're going to try to do this next week. I know I just sprung it on everybody in here, but I happen to think we're going to talk about it. We might as well do it next week. We haven't done the Lord's Supper in a long time. By sharing the Lord's Supper together, we, we call it communion in a lot of, lot of churches. or We call it, uh, what is it, the Eucharist? Is that how you say that, Eucharist? It's called that way sometimes. But, but, but Jesus gave us two symbols of his, uh, of his death, He's burial and, and resurrection. The Lord's Supper and the other is baptism. We've been doing lots of baptisms lately. I'm tickled about that. And, and, and 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five at the bottom of the outline, Jesus said this, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. So do this often in remembrance of me. We take the bread and the cup together because it symbolizes death, resurrection, and salvation. That he has paid for us, for you and me. He paid those. And, and, and the, the fact is, is Jesus paid the penalty for our sins with his death on the cross. That's a fact. 
He broke the power of sin so that you and me could be free from bad habits. We could be free. And he guarantees, that resurrection guarantees the, the, the eventual eradication of sin in your life in a place called heaven. There will be no sin there. No presence of sin. And he died on the cross so that we would be there. So what should be our attitude? Well, it should be every day, but especially next week when we take communion. Grateful. That's exactly right. We should have an attitude of, of, of gratitude that he paid for our forgiveness. We should be grateful for that. We don't grieve because he ain't dead. He rose, and because he rose, we too won't die. We're merely practicing for eternity. Now, communion ain't for everybody. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you should not take communion. You know why? Because it don't mean nothing to you. It don't mean anything to you. Taking communion means that you know what Jesus did for you and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And we do it together. So this week, I'd like for you to think about that. I want you to think about that. You, you, you know, and, and, and do some self-examination. Even think about what you'd like to think, uh, what you'd like to change about you. And that maybe Jesus could help you. And thank God that you have the power to change from what Jesus did for you. Amen? Then thank him for your future. You and me have a home in heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross and when he come out of that tomb. And we should have an attitude of gratitude when we take these I think the, the, the church terms called the elements together next week. We should have an attitude of gratitude. Number five, we worship God by recommitting our lives to him. Romans 12, 1 says, because of God's great mercy to you, offer your lives as living sacrifices to him, dedicated to serving him in a holy and pleasing way. This is your spiritual what? Act of worship. Because of God's great mercy. Mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when, when God doesn't give us what we deserve. Then he's merciful. You know what grace is? It's when God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy and grace. Mercy takes all the bad away. And grace gives us all the good. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Can you imagine saying, God, I give you myself? You know the only problem with a living sacrifice? Is that it can crawl off the altar. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We can give him ourselves and we can place ourselves at the altar 
and, 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 and we can do this. We can sing Onward Christian Soldiers on Sunday and then be AWOL on Monday. We crawl right off the altar. So just dedicate some way to serve the Lord this week in a holy and pleasing way. Because when you do that, it is a spiritual act of worship. Every time that you make a, a, a spiritual decision, you are participating in worship. I want to give you a little secret. Nothing significant ever happens without worship. And here's something else. This word keeps popping up. It popped up at our, at our, at our pastor's meeting. You will become whatever you're committed to. That's worth writing down. You will become whatever you're committed to. Your decisions, your decisions determine your destiny. And your commitments determine your character. Your commitments determine your character. Worship, Lord, I give you myself. I give you myself. Number six, by giving back some of what God has given me. By giving back some of what God has given us. We show our love by doing this. Guys, I told y'all this years ago, and I'm going to repeat it. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Amen? That's worth writing it down, too. I just repeat it about every six years. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. When Angie and I started dating back in March of 1988, pal. <laughs> yeah. March of 1988. I was in love. I was smitten. Still am. But it was different, too. I spent all my money on her. Everything I, every time I went somewhere, I got something. We were going out to eat. I didn't have no money because I was so smitten. I was so in love that I was so generous. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you first start dating someone, you just want to take them out to eat. You just want to buy them stuff all the time, and then you ain't got no gas for your car. <laughs> you just become so generous. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? worship him like that let's be generous with what he's given us to be generous with, with what he's given us we can give without loving but we can't love without, without giving you see when we give to God we don't give out of duty we don't give out of pressure we give out of love we give out of love And by the way, if you don't give out of love and you don't give wholeheartedly, it don't even matter. It don't even matter. Because giving is an act of worship. 
Giving back to God is one of the most important acts of worship. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and give it back as your offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord helped you earn. If it's, it's pretty basic. If you made a lot of money this week, then give a lot back to God. If you made a little, give a little back. If you didn't make any, don't give any. And if, it, if, you, if you made negative, take a little, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Amen. <laughs> don't let David catch you doing that, though. <laughs> it's just an attitude of expressing your love to God by giving. Amen? It, the Bible uses the word tithe, and tithe means, means, means 10%, which means if I earned $500, I, I give back $50. If I earned $10, I give God a dollar. But for me, that's just the beginning. You know, that, that, that's just beginning. You, you know, most of you guys know that no one here takes a salary. I don't take a salary. Nobody here takes a salary. But we all still believe in giving back to the Lord. We all still believe in, 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 in tithing at the, very, at the very least. We worship by giving back to God. And we give out of an attitude of love. And so the question I would have is this, how much do you love God? How much do you love God? Seventh here, way here is, is by being baptized. By being baptized to publicly declare our faith. We can worship God by being baptized to, to publicly declare our faith. Being baptized is just as an expression to the world. It's a coming out party. It's telling the world, I love Jesus. I hadn't got this in your outline, but I got it out of the message, Romans 6.3. It says this, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. It symbolizes what Jesus did for us. Uh, let me, uh, but also, what is it, Colossians 2.12? I got that in there, don't I? Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Let me read you Galatians 3.27 from the message. Paraphrase. Where's it at? Oh, your baptism in Christ was not washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in adult faith wardrobe. Woo! Y'all like that? Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Let me read it to you again with more enthusiasm. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Woo! That is incredible. Guys, are you ashamed to let other people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? 
Well, if not, then you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. Baptism is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. What does all this tell us? Where am I at? Ephesians 2.22. Of everything that I said, what is it? In Christ's body, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. By His Spirit. God don't live in buildings. He lives in people. He lives in people. You are the temple of God. And you need to be in a local church family to be in the to make the temple more better. Amen. Oh man. That's all I got. I want you to prepare yourself this week for the for the for the holy communion that we're gonna have next week. Amen. I'm ready. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And we come to praise you this morning. In our, in, our, in our spiritual acts of worship, whether it may be praise, whether it be learning, taking notes, giving, singing. Oh, my Lord, we love you. We love you so much. And the reason we gather is because of you. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful. My Lord, I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus as we prepare this week, as we seek ourselves. There may be someone here today that's just kind of kicking the tires. I pray that they accept you this week as their Lord and Savior. I pray that they do it today. Lord, I ask you that they do it before they leave this room. If you love them, we love them. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.